HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Vertera Dinnerware. Learn more at vertera.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-R-R-A dot com. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about how Gen Z is different from their millennial predecessors through the lens of food. My knowledge of alcohol didn't really come from like Bud Light commercials or like Project X. Yeah, and that's my gripe with the platform as well, is that all these DIY videos, cooking videos, they're 20 seconds. What's one food item from your childhood that you wish you could have today? Dunkaroos, because they don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Although, the Dunkaroos Twitter was activated again a year ago, so it's only a matter of time. They've tweeted a couple times, it's pretty hype. Listen to Meet in 3, HRN's food news and storytelling roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, we hope they are all listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today we have a really exciting show because it is about opportunity for any of you startup entrepreneurs out there who are looking Um, for some business opportunity in the innovation and mentorship and pitch world, this is going to be a show for you. Today we are recording remotely via Zencaster because we are in the midst of a global pandemic for coronavirus. It is August 14th, 2020. This is episode 20... This is episode 214 for those of you listening in the future. And... This is going to be an episode about how events are changing because of lockdown and actually going virtual, which in some instances allows for events to actually expand and allow more people to participate, which is kind of interesting. We think of things being uh, virtual as perhaps being smaller, but in this instance, they're actually getting bigger. One event that is getting bigger, we're really happy to talk about one of our sponsors of the show, Nyman Ranch. Nyman Ranch is a network of U.S. family farmers and ranchers who are raising livestock humanely and sustainably to deliver the finest tasting meat in the world. And for the past 21 years, they've been having a hog farmer appreciation dinner in Iowa. And this year, given you know travel and in-person limitations, 
they have taken that event virtual, which means a lot of folks like listeners like you will have opportunity to participate where in years past you might not have. The event itself starts on August 5th and runs through September 11th, 2020. They have converted their in-person events to a round of virtual events, including education series, something called The Future of Restaurants, which one of the panelists will be our own Katie Mosman-Waldler, and also culinary experiences like a virtual cooking class with super chef Thomas Keller. If you're interested in finding out more information and participating, go to nymanranchhfad.com, Nyman Ranch, and that's Hog Farmer Appreciation Day. You can find out all the information there to register. It is free of charge and, you know, lots of things happening between August 5th and September 11th. So give it a, give it a look-see and maybe sign up for something and, and learn about what's coming in the future for restaurants sustainability on farms and maybe learn some cooking tips from a pro like Thomas Keller. Today the show is Food Bites Pitch Virtual 2020 and faithful listeners will have perhaps listened to episode 102 back in 2017 where we talked about Food Bites New York City and talked to some of the winners and some of the Food Bites folks then Um, If you are a part of the food tech world, you have heard of this event, you have probably gone to this event, you have perhaps even applied to participate in this event. It is a global uh, pitch event run by Rabobank out of their Food and Agriculture Innovation Group. And they have just announced two really exciting things, one being a redesign for 2020, which has taken the event from in-person to virtual and expanded it to a much, much larger global audience. And they have also announced that applications are open to participate in this year's pitch event. So we have brought on Nina Myers, who is the Startup Relationship Manager of Food Bites by Rabobank, to tell us about what's happening. And then, you know, oftentimes... People don't really understand necessarily what's happening under the hood at a pitch event and what does it really mean to be a startup company that's participating and walking through these things. So we brought on a winner from San Francisco 2019, Shannon Flanagan, who is the U.S. Chief Toaster of a very interesting and fun startup called Toast Ale. So ladies, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So Nina, give us a little snapshot of Food Bites and um, what the event has started in and expanded to because the new event, the new virtual event is actually quite exciting. And I think a lot of times people think that when we go to virtual, um, it maybe is not as robust, but in this instance, it really seems like it's getting bigger and better. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer, and and happy to be here. I think maybe I'll take a micro step back um, just for listeners who maybe aren't familiar at all and just give a quick what is Food Bites more broadly within Rabobank? What it what is this whole um, you know platform and, and thing that we've we've built? And then I'm happy to talk about this exciting um, shift that we're we're embarking on. So just yeah, for those who have no familiarity. Um, 
Food Bites is Rabobank's uh, food and agriculture innovation platform. Um, Rabobank is one of the leading food and agriculture banks globally. And Food Bites really exists for one reason, which is to build an engine of collaboration between innovation players in food and agriculture, and really those that are looking to feed the world more sustainably. That's a foundational mission to uh, the bank as a whole. So Food Bites the, brings together startups, um, food and ag companies, corporates, um, and investors. And we have two programs that we do that through. Uh, we have Food Bites Pitch and Food Bites Pilot. And Food Bites Pitch, um, which Jennifer, you were just speaking about so eloquently in the intro, um, that's our discovery platform, which is designed to propel startups who are building that sustainable future like we just talked about. We know it's more important uh, now than ever. Um, it's really designed to propel them and bring them connections to food and ag corporates and investors. Um, and we now have applications open for our first virtual edition uh, through August 10th which I will talk about a little bit more in a moment. So we're really live in the market um, with Food Bites pitch right now. Um, and then really what, Jennifer, you spoke about this, but it's all about you know making connections to investors, having one-on-one -on -one mentorship sessions with our growing roster of corporate and investor members. Uh, we have 15 um, on board right now. Uh, I can speak about that a little bit more in a moment. Um, and then it's really about this ongoing participation in a thriving alumni community through peer-to-peer -peer connections, through continued mentor connections um, and member connections and corporate connections. It's not just kind of like one and done um, events. It's really about um, building these this continuous touch point and like continuous uh, value for startups, which hopefully Shannon will speak a bit more too. Um, and then the last thing I would say is Food Bites Pilot is our other sort of unique program um, under this umbrella. And it's a corporate driven innovation program um, that's really about matchmaking startups to corporates uh, to solve a particular challenge um, within their supply chain. So for corporates, it's a low risk way for them to um, test uh, sort of some of their innovation challenge areas and look to build solutions. And for startups, it's a way to scale their businesses um, and have a, you know, build a relationship with a leading corporate. It's a great mechanism for due diligence. It's, it's really uh, a way to build relationships with future uh, uh, and continued partners and customers. So that's like in a nutshell, the Food Bites pitch um, and pilot. And I think really what I would say is if you think like, why is a bank doing this? Um, there's a, sort of maybe a bit of a disconnect there. Um, we really look at it as a way to kind of future proof our you know, existing corporate relationships. We know that you know, these, these, these companies are going to need to evolve um, to survive. And, and we know that consumers in particular are driving a shift toward better, cleaner, more sustainable, healthier food. Um, and so we believe that the, the startups pioneering at the cutting edge of food and agriculture are the ones um, who, who are nimbly um, you know, existing at that, that bleeding edge of innovation, if you want to call it that. So we, we want to build relationships with those companies. We want to make the connections to our corporates that have the scale, resources, um, et cetera, to really affect change um, on a broad level. So it's about future-proofing our relationships and, and staying relevant and being that connector and then building those relationships with the companies that we really believe are going to um, build a more sustainable food system for the future. So I have talked a lot in my intro. 
Um, and <laughs> unshocking to Jennifer probably and Shannon, but I wanted to just give a little bit of background of, of what we're doing here. And if you maybe, Jennifer, do you want me to still talk a little bit more about what well, we're doing with virtual or wait a second? What I think I would love to uh, unpack from that overview of yeah. the programs and Rabobank are a couple different things. One is Rabobank is maybe not as well known in the United States because it's European bank and they are less a uh, consumer, you know, open a savings account, mm-hmm. use an ATM card type of bank. Mm-hmm. The focus of Rabobank is really around food and agriculture and innovation. So um, maybe talk a little bit about just foundationally why Rabobank is interested in this sector because it's a little bit of a unique situation for a bank relative to what we're used to hearing about and seeing in the United States when we think of banks like, you know, open a savings account, get a checking account. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the long story short is Rabobank is a cooperative bank. We were founded by farmers in the Netherlands. Um, We have 100 plus years of experience banking um, farmers and banking players throughout the food and ag, you know, supply chain and value chain. And so it's in our DNA. It's inherent to what we do. We have 95 analysts who are looking at all of the sectors within food and agriculture globally and, you know, providing those insights to the clients that we work with, whether those are farmers, whether those are big food and ag corporations and or whether those are the, you know, the startups of our of our future, uh, like Shannon from Toast Ale here. She can speak a bit more to her experience engaging with our with our beverage analysts um but it is it is absolutely foundational to to Rabobank and sort of our mission at the highest level is to um we call it uh, growing a better world together but what it actually means is is finding ways to feed the world more sustainably particularly by um by the goal of of the year 2050 um so it's it's all we it's it's all we do um and so you know yeah in the Netherlands you anywhere you go on a street corner you're going to see a Rabobank ATM um, and here we're we're a little bit uh, lesser known, but I think through Food Bites we have sort of built that foothold in the startup community um, and sort of that understanding that we what we're bringing to the table in terms our of our relationships with you know leading food and ag corporates um, and investors is is unique because um, we already have those relationships and we're sort of bringing them to bear um, for for startups. So, which makes perfect sense then why. Rabobank is interested in cultivating and furthering the startup communities that are looking to solve some of these issues. One of the things that you said, which I think is a good uh, point in of discussion, is you talked about the Food Bites uh, pitch companies being alumni. And that's something that we talked about when we were all um, speaking just before the show in that uh, Food Bites is almost like going to a really great university where you go through a program, you study, you have a pitch, which is almost like defending a dissertation, and you, you know, meet not only colleagues who are other startups, but you have mentors and business people. But then once the event and the competition has ended, those relationships don't end. They continue along, which is another, I think, important piece and perhaps um, I would love to hear from Shannon uh, what the uh, thought process was when Toast Ale was deciding to throw their hat into the competition to be one of the applicants and then, 
you know, what their motivation was specifically and then how that played out in terms of um, the experience. And then now that you're out of an alumni of Food Bites, how's that playing out as well? Sure. So thanks, Jennifer. Um, so we at Toast Ale were, uh, we had heard of Food Bites, of course, uh, and really we were we were kind of new to the the whole like pitch pitch world. So um, we we were planning to scale. Uh, we had a lot of interest, um, a lot of demand out of California, but we are a New York based company. So um, that was a little bit interesting as well. Pitching in San Francisco um, with you know heavy. Uh, tech presence and some really you know phenomenal VCs there right away to talk to us, which was was a bit intimidating. Um, but yeah, so we you know kind of showed up, um, and again, it is it is a little intimidating. A lot of the other um, companies and brands that were pitching were you know these incredible food scientists you know out of Cornell and et cetera, and, and we. I guess, can I give a little background on Toast Ale just for the listeners Please who, do. who may not be familiar? Please do. Okay. So we are Toast Ale. We brew award-winning craft beer with yesterday's unsold bread. We are a certified B Corp, so we donate our profit to charity fighting food waste. And we started in the UK, and we've been operating in New York for just over three years. Uh, fun fact, I do think the very first toast ever sampled in America uh, was here on Heritage Radio. I think it was with Jimmy Carboni. That sounds uh, about book. right. Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> so, um, which was wonderful. So, anyway, yeah. So we, you know, we're pretty, we're a pretty low tech company, really. You know, we're we're brewing with bread, and so it was a bit intimidating. But it just goes to show that, um, you know, there's space for for everyone. You know, low and high tech uh, in, within the platform and. Uh, the mentors were phenomenal. Uh, as Nina mentioned, the um, beverage analysts uh, at, at Rabobank are just like this unbelievable wealth of knowledge. Um, we still reach out to them regularly. Um, even just like, I'll read an article that has nothing to do with our brand. And I'm like, God, I would love to know, you know, what Picard thinks about this. Um, so they have been phenomenal. Uh, yeah, the whole process was just, you know, it's very exciting to pitch is like, Nina, how long do we get? I think it was like three, three minutes. Three and a half minutes. <laughs> sort of arbitrary and very much like, as we've heard from other startups, so short, you know, compared to when they go to other pitch competitions and they were like, I had 12 minutes. I'm like, well, <laughs> distill it down. Economy of words. <laughs> exactly. And also, Shannon, it's worth saying that Rob is, for those listening, Rob Rob's pitch, who is um, the one of the founders of Toast, um, CEO, his, his pitch is one of the sort of preeminent pitches we've ever seen on the Food Bite stage for its success and mastery of, of that word economy and really making the upcycling mission clear and the sort of climate uh, change or, or climate uh, change reduction mission clear. So um, just just to say, I think, Shannon, maybe you're being modest about <laughs> um, how, how you guys fit in and, and you really were a beacon for all the other startups. They were blown away by your by your pitch, ultimately. So I feel like I should weave that in here, uh, Jennifer and Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Well, the thing about Toast Ale is it's not the technology, per se, that makes it so innovative. It's the upcycling of food waste that would have otherwise been food waste. It's 
converting into something that everyone loves. It's the B Corp, the giving back. It's creating, you know, the the process of the economic chain and the food cycle chain, making it more effective, efficient, and you know, sustainable across the board. So it's not. I mean, Nina, talk to us a little bit about the different types of companies who you're looking to have apply and that have applied because it's not. Oftentimes, I think people misconstrue food tech as being. Something super space age and a Jetsons kitchen. When sometimes it's just, um, you know, as simple as, although brilliant, of looking at an existing process or supply chain and finding a new way to have it function more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think that's a great point, and we 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 say this a lot, and I I feel like team members of the team have said it in other forums too. Yeah, we're we're not looking for Jetsons food. Um, we're we're looking for innovation that that actually solves an existing problem or challenge in the food system, um, one that can create um, you know not only potentially cost savings but you know solutions that are going to help this industry move forward more sustainably. So if you look at something, you know, if you look at something like what Shannon is doing or companies like Renewal Mill or Regrained, you know, I, I think, Jennifer, we were speaking at uh, recently and, and you kind of made the point that the issues of, of food waste and the, the fissures in the food system that have come to light, you know, particularly during this pandemic, the reason why we're not sitting in Heritage Radio right now enjoying some Roberta's pizza um, is, is, you know, they're, they're really top of mind for, for not only folks in the industry, but for consumers. We're reading about this every day um, in, in, in the news. So I think you look at simple, you know, companies um, and, and not necessarily simple, but, but technically simple, like upcycling food waste. Um, and and that, those are the types of like small scale, you know, um, or sort of, you know, less high tech innovations that we're really looking for across this platform. We're looking for, you know, we see that consumers are, are moving more and more towards like immunity um, and wellness focused functional foods. We're looking for those types of companies. We're looking for companies that um, particularly right now are, are creating shorter, more transparent supply chains. We know that's a challenge that's going to continue to persist. Of course, we're seeing massive amounts of startups um, applying in, in the on-farm automation set. Um, we're also seeing a lot of our alumni the last couple of weeks raising significant amounts of, of money that are, are focused on that on-farm automations um, space as well. And so we, you know, we have a whole list of sort of top food subsector trends that we're looking for. But many of the companies who've ultimately won, like Toast Ale or like Leaf, which is a company based in Australia, they're creating a relatively simple and low-tech greenhouse film but it increases the yield potential um, for for those indoor growing facilities. And, and that's something that, you know, that really speaks to being able to produce more um, with less inputs and, and being more sustainable. So I think we're looking for, um, I would just say we're looking for companies that high level have a diverse um, team and background and uh, experience in the space. Um, those that are really looking to collaborate with you know, corporates and, and looking for investment opportunities and really want to collaborate with peers as well, because that's what this is all about. Um, we're looking for companies, again, like I mentioned, that have are really innovative, but they're solving a problem. They're just not innovation for innovation's sake. 
Um, so we're looking for that. And then, and then also really to be at that kind of growth to validation stage. So not necessarily idea phase. If you look at a company like Shannon from Toesale, they had the platform of this company based in the UK. That's where they were founded. And they were looking to come to this market. And we're looking for connections here. But they had a clear value proposition that they could communicate. They had traction um, with the product um, and, and with the brand. Um, so that's, I guess I'll, I'll leave it there, Jennifer. But it's not... You know, it's not food tech future, uh, crazy technologies. It's it's about transformative um, technologies for the industry, um, and just you know, companies that are really clear in how they're trying to do things more more sustainably, and are really 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 clear in their value proposition, particularly as it rates relates to the situation we are in now with the pandemic. Those are the types of startups if you can clearly communicate that economically with few words and that resonates in your application like you will be put to the top of of the pile it's an interesting time for so many reasons right now but the startup world the innovation world the food bites world has been aware of this urgency in terms of fixing the food system sustainably supply chain these are not new things. These have been things that have been growing in terms of urgency and dysfunction for many, many years. But what has happened in this time is that consumers and the general sort of public who are outside of those industries and interest groups are experiencing firsthand some of those issues, whereas before you know, smart retailers and different companies and things were able to, you know, fix the systems or sort of mask them so that at the end of the day, consumers were not disrupted in terms of their grocery shopping and food sourcing. So nobody kind of paid that much attention to it because it was all just a newspaper article somewhere. But now when people are confronted with I'm going to the store, the products aren't there, where are these things, where does it come from, or being confronted with now I'm cooking, what does this mean, or even the, you know, kind of like charming trend of growing, everybody was regrowing green onions and scallions on their windowsills for months and months and making sourdough starters, that (laughs) home, you know, and then are they still going, I don't know, have they gone Uh, by the wayside? My husband made me throw away my my scallion starter, just, it was a, a little stinky. Um, so uh, that that I everything else I've been on board with, but the that that trend sort of fizzled in my household. I will say. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm growing an avocado plant, which yes. is doing quite nicely. But I was disappointed to find out it was going to take ten years before it had a fruit. <laughs> my mom used to do that when I was growing up, and it did take maybe slightly less than that, but indeed many years. So people are being confronted really firsthand of what some of these different things are and what they mean. And not only are they experiencing them, there is a thought of, you know, one more turn of the dial and it could be really, you know, an even more, uh, an even more significant issue for, you know, really large, large parts of the population. So now I think the public is experiencing it. They're more concerned about it and it's really top of mind. And to a certain extent, I think there is something that's reassuring about becoming aware of an issue or a crisis and then turning to look to see what's happening and is somebody working on it and to see that mechanisms are already in place and wheels are already in motion that people are looking at these things and working on them and they just need to maybe, you know, crank up the machine and and keep going. 
We are going to take a little bit of a break and find out who the amazing company is who is helping us keep going. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, which are many of them listeners like you, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Vertera. Impressively versatile, stylishly sustainable, environmentally disposable dinnerware from fallen leaves. Vertera is a mission-driven company focused on making environmentally responsible single-use products. Founded in 2006 on the belief that every culinary creation deserves a beautiful, sustainably crafted foundation. Vertera reclaims earthly discards like fallen leaves and tree scraps to design elegant, disposable dinnerware that elevates the look of food presentation. In short, a beautiful disposable plate that can go with your food to a composting facility. The team from Vertera recently made a huge pivot with their factories and started producing masks, gloves, sanitizer, and other PPE that food businesses need to safely reopen. Learn more at Vertera.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-R-R-A.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today we are talking about Food Bites, Pitch Virtual 2020. Food Bites is the pitch competition hosted by Rabobank. They are now taking applications through August 10th for this year's event. If you are interested in information about years past, this one, applying, finding out just what's happening in the world of food innovation, visit foodbitesworld.com. That's F-O-O-D-B-Y-T-E-S, world.com. Applications to pitch 2020 are open now. The deadline is August 10th, 2020. If you wanna follow them on social media, you can find them at Food Bites by Robobank. We are being joined by Nina Myers, who is the Startup Relationship Manager at Food Bites by Rabobank. And also with us is Shannon Flanagan, whose company Toast Ale was one of the 2019 winners in San Francisco. Her company is a really interesting and ultimately fun company that makes ale using upcycled bread waste. That's a win-win right there. You can follow them at toastale.com or on social media at toastale. So we were just talking about uh, consumers and the general public really experiencing some of the um, issues in the food supply chain and sort of experiencing food waste upcycling for themselves during this time of pandemic. Food Bites Pitch uh, previously was a multi-city in-person event. They are now moving to a global virtual event. Nina, tell us a little bit about the transformation of what's happening in Pitch 2020. Yeah, of course. I think kind of first and foremost, what we're Oh, sorry. I was muted. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, sure, happy to, Jennifer. I think first and foremost, what we're really, really excited about is that with virtual, we are increasing the number of startups that will be coming into the platform to 45 
um, up from our historic 15. Um, and what it's it's completely global because it's virtual. So we're excited about the increased access. Startups no longer have to you know make the time to travel to participate. It's truly global. Rabobank is global. Our network of of you know corporates and investors are global. So we're really looking to galvanize interest from the most innovative companies. Um, working across the globe in, you know, all places. Um, and then what what's also exciting is, you know, the content is more digestible. I think Shannon spoke to something kind of interesting in the in the intro, which was they were intimidated about the pitch process and coming into this, you know, in-person event, like high production value, et cetera. Um, but, you know, it's a little daunting, but it's also very exciting that we're going to be having sort of a multi-week virtual program where startups, you know, they don't have to come and participate for 12 hours a day and and feel like, you know, this all happened in a flash. Um, it's There's going to be a couple of hours a day. They can still work on, you know, the survival mode of their business and everything that they, they need to be doing, particularly during this pandemic. But there will just be a couple of hours a day where there's sort of that intense engagement. Um, so we're excited about that. And then, you know, that there's like more time for those relationships and that discovery to solidify because you don't have to cram it all in um, to, to a few days. So we're really excited about those changes. Um, I think the redesign of a virtual was sort of in the works before the pandemic. Um, we were really looking to, um, create, cast a wider net, uh, meet more startups. We were already going to this kind of like, uh, one big, uh, food bites pitch per year per region. Um, so we've been, we've been planning for this. We just pivoted our plans, um, a little bit. Um, and so I think, the the switch to 45 is really exciting will be you know we're expecting hundreds of applications to come in by august 10th and really whittle that down to 45 across cpg food tech and ag tech um and we're still right now we're in the process of of um finalizing and and working to uh to 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 sort out all the programming but i think with our 15 corporate members um the likes of alba and um barilla's venture fund uh blue 1877 and tate and lyle and adm um these are you know members from their innovation teams um from their you know c-suite executives will be the ones kind of participating in these mentor sessions and they'll really be tailored to the startups that we ultimately select. So getting that sort of um, those insights on on how to um, improve your business, um, those kind of connections that you wouldn't get elsewhere. We're really excited to be able to scale those connection points virtually. Um, and then I think last thing I would say, Jennifer, is um, as many of you, if you are familiar with or now from listening to the show, you know, ultimately we started with a pitch competition event, a public pitch competition. That's what Food Bites was and has been for five years and we're still going to keep that element there's going to be a you know a week or so of like really private mentorship and connection points um investor one-on-ones with with um 40 to 50 investors in our network but then ultimately we're going to whittle down with our judging panel from 45 companies to 15 um, and those 15 are going to do a live public pitch um, in early December as part of Rabobank's uh, virtual annual summit for all the C-suite executives from our corporate clients. Um, so that is kind of the, the going to be the culmination of this like uh, public uh, public pitch day. Um, and and so we're going to keep that element, but we're also going to have all this other, you know, sort of content mentorship 
um, and connection points happening behind the scenes uh, in in October and leading to December. As you can imagine, there's going to also be a lot of um, media, social media exposure. Um, Shannon could probably talk about that, but um, we have a wonderful PR team and and social media gurus who really help to amplify all the startups we select um, across uh, those channels. Well, some of the um, so many of the things that you have said that are specific to the evolution of food bites, interestingly, are are things that have been echoed by other guests on this show and similarly even by myself talking about food bites. You know, we have spoken um, since episode 200, we're episode 214 today, we have been talking with companies across the spectrum about how they have been uh, pivoting and reformatting their businesses Uh, to reach a broader audience and in some instances just really purely for survival right now and one of the things that has been there there are a couple points that you mentioned which um, many many companies whether it be a fast casual restaurant pivoting to grocery boxes or a uh, online platform for farmers that is now pivoting into consumers I would be curious also to hear from Shannon if she finds this to be the case the People are already, prior to the pandemic, we're sort of used to living a digital life, being online, transacting some things online. We, had a, we have companies that were already starting to be online, being a little omni-channel and you know, having a roadmap of maybe one to two to three years of expanding their consumer base. And the past few months of the pandemic have really just accelerated a lot of those timelines and those plans. So companies are saying we were going to transition to the public and we were going to transition to online. And we've seen, you know, a year's worth of growth in a short month, two months, three months. We have seen, you know, like this show, you know, prior we would have all been in Roberta's true but we were also limited to people who were going to be in Roberta's because I always liked having the face-to-face conversations. Now everyone has been remote and on the phone, and that has really allowed us to open it up to a global uh, base of guests. So there are so many things that um, are accelerating and expanding and allowing more people to participate in things, which is kind of almost counterintuitive, I think, when we think about the isolation of, you know, the definition of what lockdown is. Shannon, do you find that the consumer attention and time they have now to spend to get to learn about companies and things like that, along with people being at home and consuming consumables at a higher pace than they've had before, has has been... Have you seen things that have been new or have you seen your business just grow exponentially along the path that you've initially set up? Uh, No, absolutely. I mean, this was, we were not immune to, um, you know, a pretty massive pivot in response to the pandemic. Uh, For us, uh, I I guess a positive, absolutely, people have more time um, and are definitely reevaluating, you know, some of their priorities and values. So they have more time to, uh, really spend with a story like ours. Um, and we, you know, we had to quickly pivot in New York. We sell about 80% of our inventory on premise. And so we quickly pivoted, um, to a focus on e-com platforms 
that, you know, really, I'll be honest, were not a, a priority for us um, previously. And they, those relationships have been phenomenal. And um, to be able to get, you know, to, to, to still, for us, of course, avoiding waste um, is, is the core of our business. And so um, to be able to say we didn't, we didn't have to dump any beer in this process was, uh, was huge because it was just such a massive shift. So for us, relying on e-commerce um, ha- has been a, a real godsend, uh, as well as just like, we're, you know, we're pivoting since we won Food Bites in San Francisco, which kind of feels like a million years ago, <laughs> it was only a year and a half ago, um, <laughs> we, we really? have pivoted. So we, we're moving <laughs> to a, a collaboration model. Uh, we are used to partnerships, be it bakeries, breweries, uh, charities all over the world. Um, you know, the word companion literally means to share bread with another. Uh, so that has always been core to our business. Uh, but here in the U.S., we are moving exclusively to a collaboration model uh, that we think will be the most commercially sustainable way for us to accelerate our impact. So, uh, and really a, a big part of that decision-making came from the, the mentorship out of the Food Bites program. Um, you know, I think everyone, everyone believes in their brand and is so excited and, you know, we wanted to scale nationally. And a lot of the mentors said, you know, that's great. It's wonderful. There's demand all over the country for your product. But end of the day, of course, we're a sustainable product and we're a perishable product. So really having to, um, you know, have those tough conversations and decide, okay, actually, if we do these collaborations, uh, we're not shipping product across the country and, um, we're brewing, you know, with a, with a tight forecast, knowing exactly, um, well, how that product's going to get utilized and, and, and with specific supply opportunities. So yeah, so our first, our first collaboration is actually, um, down the street from, from Heritage Radio in Bushwick with Innerborough. Uh, so we are brewing a, uh, rye stout with them that will, uh, we're looking forward to releasing for, uh, the UN's International Food Waste Awareness Day, uh, September 29th. So that we, we will be using Bread Alone's manufacturing overage of their Nordic organic rye. Uh, for those in New York who are not, uh, baking their own bread this pandemic, a lot have been really reliant on Bread Alone and they've been a wonderful partner um, and and they are incredibly sustainable they, they've been organic since well before most people even knew what that meant um, but they too you know still have manufacturing overage um, they still have you know uh, waste that that exists so we'll be utilizing that uh, and then yeah ever it, that will mostly be an e-commerce uh, opportunity as well, where, you know, we just, we know, we don't know yet that any of that product would be able to get into a, to a bar restaurant. So it's going to mostly go directly to consumers. Um, It'll be interesting to see going forward in the, in the story that you just recounted about what Toast Ale is doing. It's, it reminds me of that often uh, mentioned adage of, you know, think global, act local and it sounds like your international business will be growing nationally on a very local level in terms of partnerships and distributions that are smaller. And maybe that is, you know, a model that's coming um, where, you know, you have companies that are looking to 
work across a large geographical space, but then are working very locally in a smaller geographical space for a variety of reasons. It's really an interesting time. Um, and it's interesting that, um, well, it's not interesting. It's the whole point that the mentorship has provided uh, a really useful point of view for you now going forward. I would think that having a, a global point of view and, and people around the world to discuss these things with is more important than ever in some respects, even if it is the idea of taking your business back to being extremely local. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say, just off, you know, just your, your off-the-cuff reaction, what was the most valuable, most amazing piece of the Food Bites experience? Ongoing, during the pitch, now, looking back, that you have some, you have some road behind you. What's the one thing that stands out as being really the most invaluable? Um, honestly, it was the peer relationships uh, with the, the other brands that were pitching, um, particularly the CPG brands that, you know, we, you know, we're all in this together and, and really, um, you know, having that network, that, that alumni network, as you say, that that's just been, you know, really exciting because, you know, you're in a startup world. A lot of times you're kind of in a bubble and working crazy hours or, or you know, pivoting or, or solving, you know problems that you, you feel kind of, you can feel a bit isolated. And so it's been really wonderful to have that sense of community and really lean on each other. So, yeah. And I think like Shannon and Toast really exhibit the, the type of company that, um, that we're really looking for to come into food baits in general, whether it's at the, you know, the pitch phase um, or moving on to, you know, pilot and, and creating that further collaboration. I think, you know, the idea that they're moving to a collaboration model and yes, working with some smaller scale craft breweries right now, but, you know, maybe down the line, it's it's a little bit of larger players that, you know, as we see consumers pushing more and more towards, um, you know, climate friendly products, waste reduction products, you know, that that maybe the some of the mid-sized craft breweries um, who are who we know are, are, are fighting uh, lots of a, a new competition in the beverage space, you know, maybe they're looking to to collaborate with a product that resonates with consumers like Toast Ale does and and that, you know, Shannon and the team there, that that could be, a, you know, a point or on their roadmap and journey um, that there's opportunity for larger collaboration with with Rabobank clients. And so, you know, we we just keep the relationship going. We I actually talked to Shannon, um, I don't know, maybe once a month or so, but um, we're hoping, too, that Toast Ale can make its way into uh, some sort of a Food Bites pitch virtual uh, gift box of some kind. Um, lots of logistics that uh, are going to come into play um, there, but you know, we we really always want to highlight the the products and growth of of the alumni, the three hundred and five plus company uh, plus companies in our alumni network that have you know gone on to raise eight hundred million dollars and 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 had some you know some exits and of course um, you know some some challenges and. And companies that have unfortunately, you know, got uh, fallen by the wayside or, or gone under, particularly with the pandemic. But, you know, we're looking to those companies that are still growing and that, that we've been able to support to continue to showcase what they're doing um, to our broader network. So hopefully Toast will be um, will will be in that weird gift box that we're going to sort out at some, <laughs> at some point soon. Um, that's the goal, I would say. 
I'm, I'm imagining toast ale with bread and toast <laughs> in a box. <laughs> toast on toast on toast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I just learned, I just, just learned the origin of companion, which is incredible, Shannon. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, so it's a French origin word then? Pain? Compagnon? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It also makes me think about a guest that we had on the show when we talked about old technology sometimes is the best technology. We had Apollonia Poilin on from Poilin, the famed Poilin Bakery in Paris. And um, it was interesting. They have, of course, very old methodology and technology in terms of making the bread and had gone through some different cycles of trying to uh, use current technology, digital scales and different things like that. And ultimately the product was not as good and they went back to manually weighing things in old-fashioned scales and, and things like that. So it's really an interesting look at, you know, existing technology, the evolution of technology, and sometimes, you know, old, the old ways are the best ways. We had her on the show at the, at the notable point of her publishing a book about Poilon Bakery, and there's phenomenal recipes in there, but one of the recipes in the book is for a bread sandwich, literally. And it's two kinds of bread. You have the bread that you slice mm. for the bread, and then there's a slice of a different bread inside that's like the filling of the sandwich, and it's a bread sandwich. And apparently it was a, one of, a favorite recipe of her father's, a bread sandwich. So toast on toast on toast. Yeah, toast on toast on toast. I want that right now. Um, real quickly, while we still just have a few more minutes, one thing that I did <laughs> want to touch on um, Nina is it sounds almost counterintuitive that a large successful established company would want to do a collaboration or is interested in innovations with a smaller group you know why wouldn't the big company just innovate on their own um, that's an interesting component of the platform and then of course it's most articulated um, after pitch when you move into the pilot program but What's the rationale for a large, well-established company to be working with a startup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of just comes down to, to one word, which is, is the nimbleness of startups. Um, so if we look at a, a collaboration um, in our network that happened through, um, through our pilot program, and it's also in the upcycling space, we use this example a lot, but um, Griffith Fruit Foods, who's an ingredient company, they have a, a foundational mission to, you know, find more sustainable ingredients to work into their supply chain. Um, they ultimately ended up collaborating with and investing in Regrained, um, which is a company obviously Shannon is familiar with. But for those listening, they um, are an upcycled ingredient B two B company. They started out with a, a CPG as a CPG company with a bar that's made from upcycled uh, grain from the beer brewing process and they use that as a functional ingredient and so you know with with Griffith they they weren't going to build out this this whole technology for themselves um, they don't they're not a beer company they you know they they weren't interested in building a completely new um, technology and supply chain for that but they did see the value in experimenting with and doing some R&D with regrained on new properties that they could get out of that um, that spent beer grain and apply it as an ingredient. So they have an ongoing partnership um, through the pilot program. Also, regrained is an alumni of the pitch program too, and just a good example um, of of why that collaboration is needed. So I, th I it really to me it comes down to 
it comes down to nimbleness and agility. And like, we see the perfect alchemy of, you know, corporates with, um, with, with scale and with, um, sort of the resources to do this experimentation and startups coming to the table and saying, Hey, we can implement X, Y, or Z in, in a couple of weeks, right? Like we had another upcycled company, um, Shameless Pets, um, and they did a collaboration with um, MLA, which is the Australian Meat and Livestock Association. The Meat and Livestock Association was looking to sort of test some consumer insights around the properties of their um, Australian beef. And within two or three weeks, they launched a new product with Shameless Pets. Um, and that's just something that it can't happen at, uh, at big corporations, right? We, we know that. It, the, the average time is a number of years for corporates to launch new products. So that's why they're launching their own you know, funds. That's why they're launching their own accelerators. That's why they participate in, in programs like, like Pilot, for example, because they, they can shrink that time down. And so they can work together with innovators, bring their resources to bear, um, but that nimbleness just simply exists so on the startup it's almost side like using, Yeah, it's almost so like using a that startup as an R&D lab. <laughs> it, yeah, essentially. And from our perspective, In some we ways. don't want it to be a one-sided, you know, we're looking for meaningful collaboration where there can be an mm-hmm. ongoing partnership where it's valuable for the startup too. So we see ourselves as kind of the matchmakers, brokers of those relationships that are mutually beneficial. Well, now the public will be able to experience some of that firsthand in Food Bites Pitch Virtual 2020. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, I would say to both of you, Nina, definitely stay in touch and we can follow the progress this fall of the startups and the companies and, and what the global pitch is going to look like. I'm, you know, it's on the one hand, I'm excited about this time for innovation because we've, we're, we're living in a period where we are doing so many things that we previously thought we would be unable to do. We are living in ways and styles and creating relationships and, and new ways of doing things that six months ago, any number of them, people would have said, oh, you can't do that. You can't work from home. You can't you know, work out on your own, you can't bake bread, you can't have a garden on your windowsill, but so many things that we do today, we're doing it. So I wonder if this uh, Food Bites edition will be even more exciting, if people will be more open to new ideas, if they'll be just uh, next level of innovation and, and possibility. So it'll be, it'll be a good one to keep track of and follow. For those listening along at home, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a startup and you want to apply, if you're just somebody who's interested in what's happening in the world at the next level, go to foodbitesworld.com, follow them on social media at Food Bites by Rabobank, that's Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. Again, the deadline for startups to apply is August 10th, 2020. And the events will start mid-October through to early December and uh, keep eyes out for things that the public can participate in as well. If you're interested in Toastale, and quite frankly, who isn't, um, (laughs) (laughs) visit them, toastale.com, on social media, at Toastale. Um, Circle September 29th on your calendar. It's United Nations Food Waste Awareness Day. They're going to launch their new collaboration with Bread Alone and Interborough Spirits and Ale down the road from Heritage Radio in Bushwick. So all around, great things happening. I want to thank Nina Myers from Food Bites by Rabobank and Shannon Flanagan 
U.S. Chief Toaster at Toast Ale for joining me this morning. If you liked this show, come back and listen. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Subscribe. Give us a great review. If you really want to keep this show on the air and the other 35 live shows that Heritage Radio Network produces each week, because they're great stories, because you want to stay connected to the world, because our food heritage is important, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and become a member. You can send us what you spent on ale and bread this week. We'd be happy to take it. We can make more radio. And if you designate your donation to Tech Bites, I will send you a gift along with my undying love. I'm Jennifer Liuzzi, and this is Tech Bites. Tech Bites is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.